The ball in the hands of Robinson. We're down to five seconds. Robinson with a running one hand. He hits it with 1.7 remaining. Timeout, Brooklyn. Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch Podcast. We're back again to bring you another playoff review. We're joined by my usual co-host, uh, Frankie Hobbs. Hello. And uh, rejoining us after a, couple, a week or so away is uh, Andy Duncan. Aloha. He's been uh, doing some secret missions away in Budapest. <laughs> We've missed you, Andy. Bucharest, actually. Bucharest, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic start there. Someone's phone going off as well. Brilliant. <laughs> So we've got quite a lot to cover because obviously we haven't done a show since um, Friday night, which is when we recorded it, but the show didn't go up until Saturday. So you're already a, a couple of hours behind as it is because it went up really early on Saturday morning. It took me a while to edit. So um, yeah, we're a little bit behind with regards to the playoff games, but we're going to start with something that's pretty big and relevant to the NBA at the moment. Jason Collins came out, um, was it yesterday or the day before? It was yesterday, yeah, it was yesterday, yep. Yeah, he came out yesterday as being gay. Um, now, this is the first time a major US sport athlete has basically come out and, you know, confirmed that he's gay in the States. So it's a pretty huge thing over there. We're quite used to it over here, but um, we're going to discuss it a little bit here. So what, what do you guys think of it? Sports Illustrated got the uh, got the take on this, didn't they? I think Collins actually wrote the article himself, from what I can gather. It's pretty well written as well, actually. But yeah, I think it's a big move. He's a Stanford graduate, so... <laughs> No, it's a it's a big move for sport. I mean, we've never really had an active player come out as gay, and I think it's it's just it's a brilliant step. And hopefully, we don't see any like any kind of vicious jokes or anything against the man. I mean, have you seen Kobe? You've seen LeBron, Steve Nash, everyone come out in support, and I think it's great for the NBA uh, to uh, represent the uh, gay community because it's just it's just been far too long. I mean. We haven't really had it in football. I think if that came out in football, it would be even more, it, like the outroar would be a lot worse. And let's just hope we can build on this. And one day, this won't be news. I think an athlete coming out won't have to be news. The thing is, yeah. the, the key about this is that he's active. All, all the players that have come out yeah. in the past, in any of the sports that we're referring to, it's always been after the event, and there's still that stigma associated with it. And I. I think that as soon as that goes, then you'll get a, a flurry of people expressing what side of the sexual fence they sit on. To me, I couldn't care less. You know, the man's a basketball player, and that's all I'm interested in. If he wants to come out and say that he's gay, that doesn't make him any less of a basketball player to me. However, because he's the first guy, I hope he becomes a role model. I really hope yeah. that he becomes a, a role model. and particularly in America, there's more of a stigma associated with it. And I, I hope he's strong and he's got the backing of all the players you've just mentioned. So this could be a change of pace for the guys over there, but we'll, we'll need to wait and see. I hope he doesn't get any backlash from it because props up to the guy. He's still playing and he's, he's still active. Just as long as the guys don't treat him any different, then that's all he can ask for. He's still playing at a higher level as well. He's been known for years as the, the Dwight stopper, really. He's always shut down Dwight Howard in playoff series and in regular season games before. But oh, that's been a replaced lot of... by Tim Duncan now. But we'll get on to that <laughs> later. 
<laughs> a lot of um, big celebs did get involved. Magic Johnson, you know, Steve Nash, da- David Stern, Howard Stern, Bill Clinton, Charlie Sheen. God knows what he's doing there. But, <laughs> you know, even President Obama said, I'm proud of you. And the, the First Lady as well, they both, you know, put a personal phone call into uh, Jason Collins to tell him they were so happy that he'd come out and done this. Because obviously, basketball is not even the biggest sport in, in terms of, you know, revenue and people that watch it in the States. It's probably the NFL and the MLB. So it, it's it's odd that it's the NBA that's come out first. But the NBA has always been a, a leader for this sort of stuff in the States. It's, it's like, you know, civil rights movement with Martin Luther King and things like that. And they're one of the few sports in the world that's, that celebrates, you know, stuff like that. So it, it's cool for the league. And, you know, it was a really big article that uh, Sports Illustrated put up and it's still on there. So if you want to go and check that out, go and do it. But his Twitter followers went from th- 3,500 to about 85,000 in a day, Whoa. which was just ridiculous because obviously everyone was following. I saw Pau Gasol started following him. So all these players did start following him, which was quite amusing. The, um, but, um, cynics would suggest, though, because he's um, obviously he's 34 years old now. He hasn't actually got a team. He's, not, he's, not, he's a free agent come this summer. Will this put off team signing him? I'd be very surprised no. if it did. I think the league would have be having words if there was any sense of that going on in the in the association mm. as it is. Agreed. And well, Chris Broussard came out and uh, talking on uh, ESPN outside the lines. I don't know if you've ever seen the show, but he said, um, per- "Personally, I don't agree with homosexuality. I think it's a sin." And this has sparked quite a lot of uproar uh, on the Twitter sphere. And um, like people are, sus- are saying that maybe Chris Broussard will get like suspended or something. It's not 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 just, whatever your religious faith, just stay out of it. We live in a politically correct world. Just keep your views to yourself. I think I think Chris Broussard's lost a lot of respect in my eyes. I mean, you can say what you want, but not when you're on national TV, man. I think it's a very difficult and touchy situation to talk about. I mean, even last night, I don't know if you guys watched the. Um, the TNT coverage yeah. that was on ESPN UK over here, but even Charles Barkley was a little bit, you know, wary of what he said because he, I don't, I don't know if he necessarily agreed with what had happened, but he was very cautious in his wordings. And you can go and watch that on YouTube. It's it's up at the moment, so it's worth it's worth a watch because obviously all of these ex players and stuff are trying to get involved in this, but they're not in the league at the moment, so they have a different angle to it from you know, from Pau Gasol, from Kobe Bryant, from everyone who's who's still actively playing. And his Washington Wizards teammates, John Wall and Bradley Beal and stuff, they've all come out and they say there's that there's nothing wrong with the guy. He's one of the best athletes we have on the team and he's he's a veteran presence there. He's, he gets some of all the young lads and he shows them, you know, the ropes of the game. So it's a good thing for the league that that, that this has happened. Howard just got a technical foul. And Dwight Howard had been going out of the... They were battling down low, and he was having words with the official, Rodney Mott, and it was a no call. It's a second. He's gone. He is gone. Why? And I guess now the more important question is, is he gone for good or gone for just this season? And when you mean gone for good, remember, unrestricted free agent. And here's the physical play that there was no call. There was no foul. And, and if anything, that's another offensive foul. By Dwight Howard. Baines is doing what he's supposed to do. He has his hands up and he's bodying him. But that's how most big men play one another. So I don't know why he's so frustrated because he goes through that all the time. Moving on because we've got quite a lot of games to cover. We're going to start with Friday night's games. First of all, 
because we've got to get it out of the way because obviously Andy's back and he's a Spurs fan. Game three, blowout, San Antonio Spurs versus the Los Angeles Lakers, 120 to 89. Not a nice game for the Lakers. They went down 30 points in the first in the first quarter, and uh, yeah, pretty miserable night for um, for Dwight Howard and Co in the Staples Center. The only thing that bugs me about this game is it was on the day I was traveling back from Eastern Europe. <laughs> so I was absolutely shattered and I didn't get a chance to watch any of it until the next morning. And I think Pop got his tactics spot on. They were all over Howard like a cheap suit. And he couldn't, as much as I think he's a physical dominating center, he can't handle the pressure when people are really tight and really physical with him. And to the point of he was close to fouling out in this particular game, we'll talk about that particular subject in the next one. Um, But I think you summed it up pretty well, Matt, by saying that Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili were the difference in this particular matchup in the third game. Yeah, it was like watching, you know, men, men amongst boys, really. And just talking to the Lakers quickly, their starting guards for the game were Andrew Goudlock and Darius Morris. So it was it was never looking positive for the Lakers because Steve Nash, uh, Jody Meeks and Steve Blake had all been confirmed as not playing. So it, it wasn't a great night. And I don't think any Laker fans really expected anything to come out of this. The only one thing I'm taking out positive from this was Andrew Goudlock's performance because he was fantastic. But um, yeah, he's been in the D League for the last year, so that kind of tells you that he's not the highest priority in uh, in Hollywood. But no, it was it was a really awful game. The Lakers went down really early on. They were seventeen to eight down in the first quarter. Dwight, Dwight Howard got his second foul really early in the second in the um, second quarter, I believe it was. And you know the Lakers suffered really badly from poor guard shooting. Goudlock and uh, yeah Morris and, and crew were uh, missing quite easy early open shots. And when you you mentioned Dwight Howard getting double teamed and well triple teamed some cases in the paint <laughs> every time he kicked it out those wide shots weren't going in whereas for the Spurs it was completely opposite Manu Ginobili had a huge impact off the bench again came on he hit his first free throws you know and the crowd were booing the hell out of him but came on smacked those in uh, the Red Mamba Bonner himself made a, a nice spot up free to give give the Spurs an 11.3 earlier on so yeah, it was a pretty nice game the Spurs were uh, 61% from from the field at half time as well which which was a pretty scary playoff start and these spurs look vicious now that they're all back and healthy and it's not just much the starting guard the starting lineup it's the bench as well if you think about it you don't have a bench <laughs> <laughs> exactly the lakers uh, you were missing meeks and nash and i think had either one of those two played it may have been a different ball game the fact of the matter is it wasn't and you just couldn't cope the Spurs bench and I think that was that's been the difference in this I know there's been a lot of criticism about the Lakers being a one-man band and arguably that that you could say something along those lines but in in this playoff series you've needed to go to your bench and you haven't got the strength in depth that you need and I think that's what's been right throughout the whole of this particular season for your team is that you don't have the strength in depth yeah, they've been obliterated by injuries, and it's just got worse. I mean, game one was actually quite close. The Lakers could have stayed, could have taken something from that until sort of the, the third and fourth quarters. But the, the, these these past two games that we've had over the last three nights have just been so one sided. It, it's unreal. Tim Duncan looks like he's about twenty one again. Unbelievable presence in the paint, scoring left, right, and centre. Managing Obley, who you know everyone was like, "Ooh, 
he's not going to be fit and healthy. Well, <laughs> check him out coming off the bench and scoring, you know, double digit points every night. And the Lakers are just a bit of a mess at the moment. And uh, Jack Nicholson and crew weren't enjoying the game that night at all. <laughs> well, I think it it, t- it t- tells the story when the Spurs used thirteen players compared to the Lakers using nine. I think. They just didn't have any depth off that bench. I mean, I thought Morris and Gardlock actually didn't play too bad in, in that game. I mean, they both provided solid enough minutes. They both shot around 40-50%. So, mm. it, there's signs there, but you just you just don't know now. This Lakers team has got to just go into complete rebuild mode. But the Spurs, the Spurs look good. Very, very impressed with the Spurs. They play deep. They're back to what we thought they were going to be. Yeah, there was this ridiculous moment as well, June. I think it was the second half when Manu Ginobili came on and he made this stupid bounce pass. It must have gone like half the length of the court, but it went straight to whoever it was and it went, then they put it in. And it, it's the most stunning pass I've seen in a long while. And that was just, you know, that summed up the Spurs night. Everything for them was going in. I think Tim Duncan at one point was 10 for 11 from the field. And uh, Mike Tirico actually exclaimed at one point quite loudly, Tim Duncan is killing the Lakers and he couldn't have been more correct. They were just smashing the Lakers to pieces and game four was uh, game four on Sunday night was exactly the same. You, you know when Timmy Duncan is feeling confident, he gets some hang time. He gets some air time. He, you don't <laughs> see him dunk very often, but when, when he's feeling confident and, he, and he's having faith in his knees, the man is unstoppable. And in, in game four, I as much as he didn't, put up the numbers he played Howard perfectly he pushed all button uh, Howard's buttons he was in his face he was aggressive and that gif that you posted on Twitter just summed it up perfectly uh, what the one of him sitting on the bench yeah looking over at Dwight <laughs> smiling you didn't need words you just knew that Tim Duncan had Howard in his back pocket that entire game yeah, it was it was really that 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 picture. If you haven't checked it out, is awesome. So go check it out. Timmy D is just sitting on the sideline, smiling at Dwight as Dwight gets taken off for for a foul or something. I think it was. Uh, no, well, the first one was a foul. The second one, he got ejected for uh, swearing at the referee. Yeah, this is game two. Sorry, I don't know we're talking game one. <laughs> right. Game two, we may as well get get game game two. Sorry, game, game four. four, we may as well we may as well get it over with. It was Sunday night? It was part of the NBA on Sky. It was the uh, twelve. 12 p.m. tip off UK time. Uh, the Spurs won that one, 103 to 82. Another one that wasn't really too close. Um, Spurs took out a pretty early, comfortable lead at halftime, and it was—I think it was double digits from then on. It was just you know the same old story for the Lakers. No produ- no production off the bench. Chris Dewin came on and actually had seven assists, which is a miracle for him because he's been pretty dire all season. And Pau Gasol had the high for the Lakers, but yet again it was Tony Parker, managing Ginobili, and Tim Duncan dominating for the Spurs. And despite their age. You know they're looking ten years younger at the moment with the way they're playing, and Greg Popovich got a lot of criticism, and we know he did because we we mentioned it on multiple podcasts of you know not playing the players during games against the Heat and games like that, and it's paying off for him now, and it's paying off for him hugely because it looks like they could be the favourites for the uh, finals. What with the Russell Westbrook injury that happened the other night as well. Well, we we did we did call it in, in terms of he knows the team he knows the fact that they ain't spring chickens anymore and that they need their rest in and you've summed it up perfectly tim duncan didn't play at all in the fourth quarter um that that was how confident they were with everything that was going on and again it just comes back to the bench you know tim had a, a very average game let's same with leonard 
Parker you've already waxed lyrical about, but the bench, everybody was producing off the bench. I think my only disappointment was Tracy McGrady got his first game for the Spurs. <laughs> That's too much. And uh, he only managed to get one shot and unfortunately he missed. But I'm, I'm confident he, he'll come down with some key buckets. He's going to be a good bench player. <laughs> He had an assist and a steal, but also a turnover, so that kind of <laughs> counteracted that. Um, but Bono played 22 minutes, only had five points, so you'd have probably wanted better production from him. But Aaron Baines was fantastic all night. I mean, he doesn't play a lot, but he, he had six points and he was all over Dwight. And he, well, he started peeing Dwight off in the end, didn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah, like I said, Dwight, Dwight needs to have a look at himself mentally. You know, he's got the physical thing down to a Kia. He's just... He's too easily wound up. That's that's his problem. And teams play on that. You know, you you, you brought out a stat um, towards the end of the regular season that he set a record for the most free throws attempted because he just gets played so hard. The thing is, he dishes it out. He's not very good at taking it. Hacker Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> but Tony Parker was, you know, insane. He only played 26 minutes and got 23 points off that, four assists. Timmy D played almost 30 minutes and he had 11 points so they're getting their production from everyone but you know did you see some of the buckets that tony parker was dropping there were some there were some pretty pretty buckets going down that one one in particular was um the manager nobly dunk well that you, yeah to me that, that, that was quite good yes he <laughs> left your entire team standing um <laughs> there was another occasion where tony parker was getting fouled hard towards the bucket as he fell he just popped the ball up and it was just one of those hit and hope shots and that was it straight in nothing but net and he he had one of those nights that he got beat up but almost everything that he threw at the basket went in he was just He's- sensational I think I'm going to nickname him Iron Man because in game three, he got absolutely smashed by, I think it was Darius Morris with an elbow and he went straight to the floor. But he got back up and then like 10 minutes later, he was interviewed during halftime and he was like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's the playoffs. <laughs> we're used to it. We're, 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 we're championship contenders in the past. We know what we're doing. Just just let me get on with it. <laughs> it was really awesome. I love that. I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, high contact playoffs. I mean, I think I've made a point before. I'm not, I'm not too... <laughs> you make it every week. Yep, I don't like these flagrant fouls being dished out too easily. Get on with it. It's the playoffs. You're playing for a world championship. Get on with it. It's the playoffs. You heard it here from Frankie. <laughs> anyway, moving on to another pretty tough uh, physical matchup. We had the uh, Knicks and the Celtics on the Friday mm. night. Game three, Boston Garden. A game I think me and Frankie definitely thought that the Celtics were going to take. They didn't. They lost uh, 90 to 76 to a pretty rampant Knicks side. I think it was safe to say. Camelo Anthony went off for 23. And uh, Raymond Felton and J.R. Smith had pretty stunning games. Despite J.R. Smith elbowing, I think it was Jason Terry yeah. at one point during the game, which he got, subsequently got banned for. So no, Jason I'd... Terry probably deserved it. Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> he is very annoying. But the Stoics offensively, again, was just, it was ugly. It was one of the most ugly offensive performances other than the uh, Pacers in game three. But it was there was just no production from anywhere. No one was being aggressive. or I think the only person that I thought kind of should put, made a good account of themselves was Jeff Green. He Again, he's had a good series. He drives to the hole nicely, a few nice moves. But other than that, there really wasn't a lot from this Celtics team. And you know you're bad when you're trying you're relying on Jordan Crawford to get your baskets, and he didn't deliver, of course. Yeah. Well, lack, lack of production from Avery Bradley, I think, was standout. He had two points in that game, yeah. which was 
not where anyone's expected. Everyone knows him in the league as one an up and coming elite perimeter defender, but even even that he wasn't doing. Kevin Garnett had had twelve points, but he he was a beast on the re, on the boards that night. Kevin Garnett, mm. he was all over the Knicks, but the Knicks just have too many shooters that they can't get out to him quick and enough to stop. I was just very impressed with the defense as well. I think you got players like Iman Shumpert, who was just he just came in, he just ripped the ball from Paul Pierce whenever he wanted. He, he had three steals. They just commit. They force so many turnovers on this aging Celtics team. I mean, Prigioni again, racking up five steals. This man, he's impressed me. He's impressed me during the playoffs, and it'll be interesting to see if he stays on. I mean, yeah, they just got production from the bench. We haven't seen a lot of Chris Copeland, so I'll, I'll, I'll wait to see how that plays in in the next round. But when you got players like Novak coming on, you can't leave them open. And uh, yeah, this this next team looks very good. I'm very impressed and. I just wonder how Indiana are going to score against this defense. I think Prigioni has become known as the Nat throughout the league because he just doesn't leave you alone. Mm. He just hovers around you and then ends up stealing the ball. And before you know it, he's down the other end of the court. But like you mentioned, Kenya Mine, big production again, coming off the bench. Jason Kidd, we cannot underestimate the presence of having Jason Kidd on that side. He comes on, he just calms it all down. It looks like they're going, you know, they're getting all hot and flustered under the collar. But he comes on, sorts it all out, and. And they play on, and Melo's getting a nice, a good amount of rest as well, which is going to be useful for them in the next round, depending on who they end up facing. But J.R. Smith, like like we said, he had 15 points in that game three win, and um, it was solid production from him. Yet again, he's just been on fire recently. You just expected a little bit better from Boston after this was the first home game back after the uh, tragic Boston bombings. And they just didn't seem to rise to the occasion, I don't think. I was very disappointed. They're built around their guards, and I think me and you said a few weeks ago, you know, if their guards don't play well, Boston don't win. And <laughs> Ter- Terrence Williams didn't have any points. Courtney Lee had two. Crawford had five. That's not good enough for for the Boston Celtics. They're, they're a former championship win inside. They should be better than that, and they've got a nice core and a nice starting five to build around. Obviously, they're missing Rondo. I mean, the league's been decimated by injuries this year. It's it's really ruined the playoffs in a, in a way that we we weren't quite expecting, especially with what's happened with Russell Westbrook recently. Mm-hmm. But you'd still expect someone like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to step up and carry that team. Jason Terry's got enough veteran experience, as much as everyone doesn't like him, to be able to, to you know have a real impact on that game. And he and he did have an impact, but his impact was in Game Four. Yeah, <laughs> and Game Four was a win for the Celtics, and this was kind of the Celtics we wanted to see I mean I know they surrendered a 20 point lead uh, midway I was going to say they almost threw it away <laughs> they, they, I thought Paul Pierce was kind of he showed us a bit the truth yeah he showed us he showed us what he's all about hitting 9 from 20 for, from the field I mean Jason Terry was brilliant he came up with that huge 3 uh, midway through the 4th and yeah I mean I know it took overtime and it looked like the sweep was on but no, they're not as bad as the Lakers. They get they get the win. <laughs> Boston started really well as well. They went on a seven zero run early on. They took a twelve five lead, and you know they, they increased that up to about twenty points, I think it was. And Jeff Green was dominating early on. They, Carmelo didn't really know what to do, and um, for, for once in the game, Carmelo looked like he wasn't going to be an impact player because Boston were guarding him perfectly. Brandon Bass, I think yeah. I was tweeting you on uh, Twitter or somebody on Twitter 
you know, I could not be more impressed by that guy. He was just all over Melo, and then he did eventually foul out in the fourth quarter. I think it was, but he was, you know, he was like watching Tony Allen on him. It was it was fantastic stuff to watch. Jordan Crawford came on. He had pretty big. He had a, a nice impact for for the Celtics. Even Terrence Williams, you know, he came on and hit baskets. But the hero of the night for the Celtics was undoubtedly Jason the Jet Terry. He he closed that game out in overtime. It was eighty four eighty four at the beginning of overtime. And they ended up winning ninety-seven to ninety. And I think he hit. Did he hit a jumper and then he hit a three to give him a five-point lead? Tipped out, but right to Green. Here comes Terry. Terry on the pull-up three. Bang! Jason Terry from downtown. In transition, you cannot play conservatively down the stretch of close games. Here, Jason Terry. Terry knocks in to pull up three. Terry in trouble, finds some room, knocks it down. Two big buckets from Jason Terry. And at the other end, Jason Terry to his right has always been good. Comes through in another clutch situation. Mello choked. Well, he hit 36 from 35 shots, which is just not good enough. That's not mellow. I don't know. He does take a lot of shots. <laughs> I put Mel- I put mellow choke when he went to the line because he missed. It. Did he miss he those mi- two? He threes? did miss a free throw. Yeah. Or two, yeah. I can't remember. You'd expect him to nail those, but you know the the Knicks looked a bit lost when it came down to their you know that their fourth quarter game. They didn't really know what to do when they get the score was tied. They had multiple chances to win this, and they'll they'll rue they'll completely rue it. Um, Raymond Felton was, was unbelievable, uh, the, the hero of the night, because obviously J.R. Smith wasn't playing. He just came on, set fire to the court, basically, and he was stunning. He hit several huge threes, got a, ni- a n- nice couple of layups, and, and it was a real, real impressive performance by the Knicks in the second half. I, I don't know what Mike Woodson said to him, but they certainly came out and finished on a high. I mean, Felton had 27 points, which, which is crazy for someone who last year was kind of fat and overweight and not wanting to play basketball yeah definitely I think in the second half they just went more to their normal offence like in the first half it was kind of give Mello the ball let's see what he can do in the second half Felton took control a lot more pick and roll with Tyson Chandler setting a high, high, nice high screen spreading the floor out and I thought it was brilliant that's what the Knicks needed to do all game yeah I think the spread in the four is, is what kills kills Boston because they just they can't get out quick enough yeah. they're an aged side I mean their guards are quite you know they're relatively young, but they still they still don't have that elite perimeter defender who can who can get out and guard a man like like someone like Terry Allen for the, for uh, for the Grizzlies. But um, that was that was a pretty nice game, and then obviously it's going to go to a game game five in the Garden. Do you think the Knicks are going to close this one up? Yeah, probably. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Do you not think Boston can ride the momentum from this game, or did it look like they were done? Because obviously they had that massive. I think this was just get capitulation. This was like. This was their moment of the playoffs. I don't think they expect to see their team again back in the TD Garden. It's it's not been a great season for the Celtics, but you know, I think this is over now. Well, I think the Knicks will close it out. Yeah. So game three on Friday night, Nuggets and the Warriors, the best series of the playoffs so far, in my opinion. I, I've loved watching these games. These have been the ones that are complete and utter must watches for for NBA fans in the UK. It's just a shame they're never on TV yeah, until tonight. Right. <laughs> but um, game three was was a win for the Warriors and a narrow one at that 110 to 108 
after what was a, a stunning performance from uh, Ty Lawson and Stephen Curry, the two point guards just taking over this game. Lawson finished with 35 points, Curry with 29. And this was unreal. The Oracle Arena, or the Roracle as it is now being called, is just the most stunning place to it must be amazing being on that court when that place is going mental apparently it's built with the whole arenas like proper i don't know something about the way they mix the concrete makes the sound reverberate more like like you know seattle having a quest field for their american football team they sort of built the stadium to traverse the sound towards the, the pitch but that place is nuts and i think it's overtaken the chesapeake arena is probably the best atmosphere in the nba yeah definitely it's, it's amazing i mean I think some of them, the Nuggets must have said this, but they they, they need the same from the um, in the Pepsi Center because it's not intimidating <laughs> at all. No, it's very quiet. I mean, Jarrett Jack, he he was quoted as saying this when they came out in Game Three. He said, "We ran out of the tunnel," and he had to sort of stand back and soak it all in because he couldn't really believe what was happening. And he just says they've got the best fans and they're just going to ride off that atmosphere. It's a real shame that they're actually going to be moving next year. I think it is. So, obviously, they're, they're making the most of it. But great game. Offensive basketball at its finest. Just both teams going back and forth. Steph Curry hitting huge threes. Um, Harrison Barnes playing the power forward because, obviously, David Lee was injured in game one. And um, he's just fitted right in there. And the Nuggets don't know how to guard him. They're playing small ball, and the Nuggets can't really do anything about it. Now, Kenneth Reed played centre for the... Uh... Denver Nuggets we started and that that just shows you how small this league has become really it's it's amazing like Kenneth Reed's what 6-8 and he's playing centre but the third quarter was really impressive by Golden State I mean they held they held Denver to 35% from the field which was insane Um, and and they started the fourth quarter the way all teams want to start the fourth Draymond Green the rookie hit a huge three and he sort of went running up the court with his arms behind his back, waving like some sort of weird bird. It was awesome. But um, that place was just absolutely rocking. And if if you want to watch an NBA game at the moment, just watch this because this reminds me of, you know, this reminds me of playoff football or of World Cup finals or something like that. And the place is just mental. And at one point, the commentator said, are we playing horse? Because Steph Curry was just taking on the Denver Nuggets by himself. And I think he then did that. And he did that again in game four. But... The big Aussie, Andrew Bogut, was, was fantastic, completely taken over in that paint, not taking any any rubbish from the forwards of uh, of Denver. And this Denver team just looked done. They really looked done. Um, game four was obviously on Sunday night as well, and they, they, they'd lost that one 115 to 101. And f- if anything, that was the game the Nuggets needed to, needed to steal from the Warriors. They needed to win at least one of these road games. And uh, yeah, they're going back to the Pepsi Center tonight and it's going to be really, really difficult for them to stop this Warriors team because right now they're the best shooting team percentage-wise in the playoffs and they're just killing people from downtown. Stephen Curry's having career-high nights every night. I don't know how Denver are going to stop these guys even you know, even though they don't have David Lee and they are a little bit injury-laden. Yeah, they need to close out the shooters a little bit better if there's if there's any criticism. But the, the Warriors are just making everything. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, they're just they're just they've been hot all series, and you just wonder, is it a situation of are they living and dying by the three, and will this come back to haunt them? I don't know. Will they start missing, and then what? Then what do they do? That's that's, that's my only worry with this Warriors team. They have so many shooters that they can. I think they can rely on someone having an off night. I mean. Clay Thompson, five from ten from uh, from twos, and two from five from threes. 
Steph Curry, he was 10 from 16 and then 6 from 11 from downtown, which is insane. Jarrett Jack was 8 out of 9 and he hit a 3, so he had 21. They, they're just posting highs every night, these guys, from shooting. And I think Mark Jackson's absolutely loving it because he doesn't really have to do much apart from write up, you know, pick and rolls and you kick it in and out of the paint. And they are so so much fun to watch, this Golden State team, especially when they play at the, the, the Oracle Arena that... I don't know. I, I'm jumping on the Warriors bandwagon. I'm saying conference finals. Well, that's a good shout. But do you, do you think the Nuggets are missing Gallinari though? Yes, definitely. I, I, I think he's been a big loss for him, and they they might be the most athletic team in the league. But because of their size, I think that's where they're falling over. Javel McGee should. I I think he should start because I think he's their only natural centre and probably their biggest player. If they want any hope of dealing with Boga, they need to have him off because Farid, as good as he is, he just doesn't have the length to guard a player like that. Yeah. No, and his production's pretty poor. I mean, rebounding-wise, yeah, okay, he's, he's doing all right, but he average, he's averaging, I think, it's six six or seven points this series, and that's that's not good enough from, you know, from a starter of, of his calibre. And... I hate to say it, but Andre Iguodala needs to step up as well. He's had fairly decent games, but he needs to be better. He is the superstar on this team. He's the one person you think of if you think of the Denver Nuggets, and he's just he's not doing it, and it's really, really affecting them. (laughs) 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 You you did, and and Andy's right. They're too big. They can't actually get out to the perimeter quick enough to stop these guys from scoring, and when Clay Thompson and Harrison Barnes and Steph Curry are are hitting threes from left, right, and center, you, you can't really guard it, and they have Corey Brewer and Jordan Hamilton stuff, but they they can't get out quick enough because these guys aren't as young, they aren't as fit and athletic as as these Warriors players are, and it's really killing them. And I feel sorry for George Carl because he was down as being one of the coach of the season, but the way his team are going to get destroyed in this series, it's it's not looking good for him. <laughs> I don't think you should write them off yet. I mean, if they can win tonight, they'll have a bit of momentum going into the Oracle. If they can, just... they they ain't winning the Oracle, mate. They they ain't winning in the Oracle. <laughs> My only worry is that Golden State. I know they probably won't, but if they take it a little bit easy tonight, knowing they can relax in ahead of a game six back at home, I mean, you just you hope that they don't kind of take their foot off the gas, knowing they can go back home and finish this off, because as you know, anything can happen in one night. So. I don't know. I don't think it's over. I could still. I could. I would not be surprised if this went seven. And it's been a fantastic series. I think most of us called it one of the series we were looking forward to, and it certainly lived up to the hype. Yeah, I was really excited for this, and I don't actually think I picked a favourite to go through. But Golden State have been sublime. Stephen Curry right now is he's balling. The best shoot. He's the best shoot in the league. And Mark Jackson came out the other day and said, you know, we've got the best shooting backcourt in the game. And he's right right now that they're just catching fire every night. And this Nuggets side just can't deal with it. And it's a real shame because the Nuggets had this fantastic home record. They were riding that high into the playoffs. They looked a real championship contender. But the way the Warriors are all over them, they they don't look capable unless, of course, a a miracle happens. In in fairness, I hope they don't because I'd rather the Spurs play Golden State in the next round than, than the Nuggets. I, I, I think I'd love to see the Warriors get to the uh, conference finals, but I just can't see them getting past the wily old Spurs. I mean, Pop Pop will sort them out. I think in the next round. Oh yeah, Tim Duncan exactly. will have them all sorted. Don't you worry. <laughs> Unless they start hitting his knees again, then uh, then we're in trouble. <laughs> I hit up a quick fact: only eight teams have ever come back from a three-one deficit. <laughs> <laughs> Early on, 
Curry, but Curry's taking advantage of this matchup. The left-handed finger roll. Curry electrifying this crowd. Watch how high he elevates with the ball, gets it up over the top of the shot block of McGee, gets the friendly roll and the contact performance on the floor. Curry with the steal. Steph Curry fires away. Special player. Curry with Brewer on him. Behind the back to Jack. Back to Curry. Yeah! He got it in the corner. So, game four between the Brooklyn Nets and the Chicago Bulls. Stunning game. I think it was the game of the season. Um, Frankie, you were out the night this happened, weren't yeah, you? I, I got what a tweets. night to go out, Frankie. What a <laughs> night to go out. <laughs> And I, I got a few tweets saying, oh, are you missing this? You're missing this. What are you missing? And I go and see his triple overtime and, oh. Hey, it could yeah. be worse. You could have gone to the game and left early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Nets erased, uh, sorry, the, the Bulls erased a uh, a huge deficit in the second half. And Nate Robinson was just unreal. 34 points, four assists, two steals. In uh, three periods of overtime and one one quarter and the fourth quarter, I think it was, and it was just unreal. I've I've never seen a basketball game like it. Even Steve Kerr was lost for words on the TNT commentary. He was just like, I've never seen anyone play like this. I think he was too short of Michael Jordan's one. playoff record. Was he one? Yeah. Jesus, that that's insane. And the guy's what five foot nine? Yep. He's shorter than me. <laughs> they say that's a generous height as well. He looks a bit smaller than that. Really, <laughs> but the Bulls won this 142 to 134 after, like Frankie had said, triple overtime. Um, just an absolutely unreal game. Brooke Lopez hit his first career three, which was pretty mental. The, the shot clock was running down. And he just sort of threw it up and and he went in. And after the game three between these two at the, at the United Center, it was a a real pleasure to see these two teams come out and ball because game three was a, a, an absolute <laughs> car crash between these two teams. It was horrible. No, yeah, I think the Nets will be kicking themselves. They were up, what, they were up 14, and a CJ, or 12, and CJ Watson missed a dunk with, like, to, to almost secure the game, and it come back to bite them. And Well, look at Darren Williams. Yeah. He, he ran the clock down for the last play of the fourth, and he missed the layup. Yeah. <laughs> That's just classic. It's, it's a conversation you don't normally have. Derek Williams missing a layup it just doesn't normally happen it was like 15 seconds he stood on the halfway line for about 10 of them before making his run to the basket and he missed they still went to the wrong closer in that situation you put you go to Joe Johnson There's the, you don't go to Darren they Williams did in I'm sorry as well, didn't they? And, and, and it worked yeah. <laughs> Joe Johnson I mean he's not had a great year but he's so clutch he's unbelievably clutch there's a reason they pay him that much money he was just unreal but like, like Frankie said um Nate Robinson had a phenomenal 29 points in the fourth quarter to to lead the Bulls on what was a 14 and 0 run and obviously CJ Watson missed that um layup and there were 2 seconds left on the clock and Darren Williams missed missed a chance to win the game and then the Bulls tried to I think they threw up a, a, a heave and it just didn't go in and it went to overtime and overtime was just insane Joe Johnson tied it up with 11.8 seconds to go um Nate Robinson Nate the Great as he was called <laughs> then scored um 
a crazy, well, an incredible bank shot, to say the least, from about 23 feet out to give the Bulls a lead with two seconds left to play in the first period of overtime. Then Joe Johnson went and tied it up, which was unreal. It went to second overtime, and that ended in the same frantic fashion, both teams sort of missing layups and causing silly fouls. And who was ejected in this game? What, Nate was ejected? Mm. Noah, he he was ejected as well. And it, it ended up being Carlos Boozer and Luol Deng just sort of, you know, <laughs> riding the high. And at one point, Boozer actually went over to the bench and they, they went courtside and he was like, I've got this for you guys. And he specifically was speaking to all these players and he was like, Derek Rose, I'm going to win this for you. And, you know, it was it was quite awesome and emotional. But um, at the end of the game, the, the real hero was Nazir Mohammed. <laughs> I don't think anyone was expecting this. He uh, he hit a nice layup with uh, seconds to go to make it 140, 134, and then the Nets fouled Bellinelli, who basically sealed the game from the free throw line. Yeah, I don't. I I think Nazir Mohammed. That was you can't not get a defensive rebound on a free throw. That is basketball basics, and the Nets Nets will be kicking themselves. Yeah, they had multiple chances, and obviously CJ Watson probably didn't sleep a lot that night. No, and um, I, I think the co- coach Carlissimo came out at the end and said, "I can't, f- I don't think you can underestimate, you know, possibly overstate that miss because it was it was huge. It really was." <laughs> and this game got me so excited. I was actually recording the overtime on my iPad and uploading videos really quickly to Twitter because <laughs> because pe- it wasn't on. It wasn't on on Sky. Oh, it was red button, wasn't it? Was it no, red button? Yeah. I don't think it was. It was it was League Pass. Was it, it was League Pass? What game was it that was red button then on the weekend? That it was, was it wasn't it wasn't live. No, 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 you had to press red button for it. That was the, that was the first half the of the of the Boston ah, New York game right. because, because Sky in their infinite wisdom decided county cricket was more important than the National Basketball Association. Oh. You're growing the sport there, Sky. Good job. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> But the, the game of the season, it was just unreal. You know, Tom Reed of Believe the Hype was going mental. Steve Edwards, who commentates for one of the London basketball cl- clubs, he was, he's was he been a Bulls fan for over 20 years, and he says he's never, ever seen a, a game like that. He says it's the most gutsiest effort he's ever seen from any Bulls team. Um, Tom Wright, you know, he writes for us. He was going mental. He said he got in from coaching. I think it was his first night coaching at his local basketball team, and he was going to write down and, you know, check some efficiencies and whatnot but he said this the Bulls in the next game was way too more important and he ended up watching that and everyone was getting involved with this it was just insane despite the fact it wasn't on UK television people were you know going nuts finding finding the second it went to overtime people were like you know stream God, find a stream I've got to watch this and, and it was it was unreal and it was just a real shame it wasn't on Sky Sports or ESPN or anything. They 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 have a they've had lackluster games so far. I think it's safe to say, apart from that Boston and uh, Knicks game. Yeah, they, they they haven't picked the best games if I'm honest. <laughs> I think they've been forced. I was going to say yeah. I think <laughs> money talks when it comes to these sort of things, and you know they'll they'll get their money's worth. And that isn't maybe the best thing for us fans, but we can't argue. Um, we got a little bit of it on the deli. Can't believe they had Pacers Hawks on the other week though. Oh my god. so that that win on um saturday night gave the bulls a 3-1 series lead they then played again last night and um they lost 91 110 to the nets in brooklyn um brooklyn came out pretty impressive brook lopez 28 points robinson again with the high for the bulls 20 points but this game was was brooklyn's to lose they were completely dominant throughout the game yeah 
and it kind of the the Bulls roster was just spent. I mean, everyone was just knackered, and they were going oh, down. The Kirk Heinrich injury was massive. Yeah. They had no guard, Darren Williams, and Darren Williams was just you know balling. He he came up big for once. <laughs> I tweeted, I think, uh, literally without uh, Kirk Heinrich, Darren Williams can get anywhere he wants to on the court. I mean, Nate Robinson couldn't stand in front of him, and it was just it was it was hard to see like a man so small trying guard. I mean, I think they had to put Jimmy Butler on him in the end, but it just didn't didn't work in the end. And it just felt like the Chicago Bulls were saving themselves up for a big push in Game Six. And I think they'll come out and take Game Six, to be honest. Well, even he got yelled at. I think Jimmy Butler did at one point because he 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 wasn't paying attention on a on a fast break play, and Williams just just ran past him, and Thibodeau took him off and benched him. And you know they were was having a right go at him. It was pretty amusing, and the comment the commentary guys from TNT were like, "Jimmy Butler's getting it right now," and it was, <laughs> they were zooming in, and Thibodeau was just like spitting all over Jimmy Butler's face. <laughs> It, it, it was an insane, insanely good game for for the Nets in front of that home crowd. Obviously, they've got that blackout thing going on where they Pretty completely cool, shut everything. But you know, Darren Williams was superb. Joe Johnson he had fairly decent performance with his uh, his foot injury. Andre Blatch for me was just insane. Yeah. He came on, scored some fantastic points when they needed them the most. Even Chris Humphreys, you know, the guy who's been in and out of the papers for non basketball reasons all year, you know, has been playing quite well and. It was it was a nice it was a nice win and this series has really surprised everyone. I thought the Bulls would probably sweep it. I think I it, said it would go six or seven. <laughs> it's one of those that the Bulls had the momentum for the first you know majority of the first half, even though the the score line was pretty tight. Just that whole fourth quarter, they they fell apart. They really mm. did fail apart, and you know we were singing their praises from the previous game, and it just makes you wonder what happened to see them implode as much as that. Well, the Nets went on a 17-3 and run to close out the game, which was insane. I mean, Brook Lopez had, a, had his career-high night. Is he arguably the best centre in the league right now? He's up there in the conversation. I, I'd still think I'd take Mark Gasol on both ends of the floor. He's got such an amazing offensive repertoire. Yeah, though, he does. You know, as he, he scores that ball. And he's got a real... And I don't want to say this because it sounds really awkward, but he's got a real fantastic personality. I mean, they spoke to him at halftime, I think it was, and he was just like, just want to come out, win this game and extend this series. And then they were like, oh, you, you don't want to go home then? And he was like, no, I don't want to go home because I don't have a social life. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, this is my teammates. These are who I hang out with, you know, apart from when I go to the movies. So he was he was enjoying himself out there and it was, it was good to see him um, have a career high night and really sort of solidly lay the foundations for that contract that he got last summer yeah I mean I think a few eyebrows were raised when uh, they settled for Brook didn't they after they couldn't land Dwight and um, he's, he's kind of repaid the faith and I don't think Brooklyn will go back in for Dwight can, can they go back in for Dwight well they could they could do some kind of sign and trade thing yeah I don't, I don't know whether the Lakers would accept Brook Lopez I probably would I think they should, based yeah. on this season no you wouldn't want to make that trade at all no out, out, out with um Gasol and and Duncan, he's probably been the one of the best players in the playoffs so far. And Bynum, <laughs> <laughs> he's not being stupid. NBA fans, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Really, he's just as an in-house joke. <laughs> 
because he has to suffer a bit a Philadelphia fan. But that Wednesday night at the, the, the uh, United Center, the Bulls get a chance to close out that series because obviously they're three two up. Do you think they close it out or does this go back to Brooklyn? I think it's going to be closed out. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think didn't Derek Rose's brother say uh, he could be? He'll be back for round two. <laughs> I know that's amazing if it's true, but I don't know how much to buy into what that man says. But yeah, I think they'll close it out and set up a lovely match with the Heat. So Saturday night saw the Hawks and the Pacers uh, battling it out in arguably the most boring playoff matchup so far. Nobody, nobody's interested in this, and we're not the only podcast who says it. Everyone even believe the hype and the basketball jokes. Nobody wants to watch this, and the Hawks came out and stunned everyone. They uh, they battered the Pacers ninety to sixty nine in what was an unbelievable offensive performance by by a battered Hawks team. I think it's safe to say. And Indiana were just awful offensively, sixty nine points. That's what the fear was coming into the playoffs, was would they score the basketball enough, and it, they didn't. You cursed Paul George, man. Yeah, I did. I mean, I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you came out and said he was amazing, and he was dominating the playoffs, and then he went out and had his worst night. <laughs> yeah. Al Horford was, was pretty impressive for the Hawks, though. I mean, 26 points, 16 rebounds, carried that team. and He's their best player. Atlanta are a really odd one. I know Tom Reed from Believe the Hype has jumped on the bandwagon, as he does every year, but, you know, the, that Phillips Arena is a real odd place to play at the Highlight Factory. I don't think anyone really knows what they're going to get when they go there, and obviously they ended up winning the following game as well on Monday, last night, I think it was. Yeah. So, so it's a real it's a real feisty series, actually, considering we all thought it was going to be a, a pretty quick blowout from the Pacers, but... They lost. Um, they lost last night, one hundred and two ninety-one, which has been the closest game of the series so far. In fact, but you know, nobody could stop Josh Smith. Twenty-nine points, eleven rebounds. Even Paul George played pretty well. He had twenty-one points and twelve rebounds, but not enough in the end to to stop a, a pretty dominant Hawks side. Josh Smith was rampant. I mean, that is that is what you want to see from Josh Smith. And if he plays like that, I'd give him a contract in Philadelphia. Do you think he's making a statement for the off-season? Yeah, he is. He's, he, I don't think he's going to stay in Atlanta. They seem to want to go in a different direction, so he's almost showing him showing his talents, and that's what he needs to do. He, he'll get a lot of money this off-season, that's for sure. Cool. And that's all we have to say on yep. that series. Definitely. Let's go. <laughs> move on. We'll move on to one that is a little bit more feisty, one that everyone has really enjoyed watching so far, the Clippers and the Grizzlies. Mm. Um, crazy, crazy place to go and play your basketball at FedEx Forum in uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. And the Grizzlies won 104-83 in a, in a pretty decisive blowout victory, I think it was, on the on the home court. And they out-rebounded them like crazy. Mm. 32 defensive rebounds to 23 defensive rebounds for the Clippers. That's insane. The Grizzlies played just as well as they could, really, I thought. This is this is the best they've played in a long time. And Yeah, Marcus, I had it going. I mean... He really did, and he had nine fourteen field goals, which is just brilliant for him. And we said, I mean, I said that he didn't rebound enough, <laughs> and he went and grabbed thirteen rebounds. He, he's a brilliant player. He's the best center in the league for me. Yeah, Zach Randolph and Zebo has been stunning as well. I mean, they are the best four and five in the league at the moment. They're just unreal. And Tayshawn Prince, I, I, I praised him in the last show. Yeah, again, coming on, nice, fantastic 50% performance. I mean, even Michael Conley and Tony Allen, they're all getting in on the act, and it's just fantastic to watch. And your 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 favourite player, Quincy Pondexter, he's just all over the place at the moment. They're getting production from the bench when you didn't expect it, and it's good. It's good to see from the Grizzlies. I still don't trust them 
with the game on the line. I think Mike, Mike Conley's done a bit in a, in, a, in the regular season, but they need that kind of wing wing closer in the in the uh, ilk of like a Kevin Durant. But not every team can have that. But yeah, I, I think I think the Grizz can win this. I really do. Yeah, so obviously this goes to a game five, which is tonight on ESPN UK, uh, about half two, I think it is. So it will be an interesting one to watch, but everyone's jumping on the Clippers, ba- Clippers bandwagon right now because obviously of the Russell Westbrook injury over in Oklahoma, everyone's now taking the Clippers as their favourite to win the West. What do you think of that, Andy, considering your Spurs are still in the running? I I think they're, they're a one-man team, really, or, or should I say a one-tactic team because... <laughs> love it, love it. Exactly. The the Grizzlies have shown how to play against them. Um and they've restricted the Clippers in the last couple of games to low eighty point scoring. So it just goes to show that the, the Clippers don't seem to have a plan B. Um until they can figure something out there, everybody's gonna know how to play against them. They didn't produce anything off the bench and Billups hasn't been firing since he's been coming up. Chris Paul, you can't take anything away from that man, but even he's not been posting good numbers for the last couple of games. So I'm, I'm seeing that the Grizzlies can go through and do this series. And they've been the Spurs bogey team for the last couple of seasons. So I would not Mm. look forward to playing them in, in any matchup. Oh, I, I want that matchup. Yeah, I, do. I, I, want, I, don't, I want Grizzly Spurs. I, I really don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I think Griffin is. You are right. Chris Paul's been dominated mm. by Tony Allen. Tony Allen's been all over him. I just don't trust Griffin in in any kind of tough situation. He doesn't. I think we we pointed to it earlier with Dwight Howard. Griffin just doesn't seem mentally strong, and he doesn't seem like a, a killer like like a Kobe Bryant. Like Blake Griffin just. He doesn't. He just comes in and out of games, and he's going to need to come up big if they're going to win this series. Hmm. Chris Paul's got that funny mentality as well. I mean, we mentioned it with the game three loss. He just seems to lose it a bit when his teammates aren't playing well, and he he gets frustrated. And he used to do that in New Orleans, and he's doing it again here. But it's an interesting series. I think the Clippers will win game five, but this is going back and forth, and probably going to seven. It's it's yeah, a just, difficult one to call. I, I I think the Grizzlies are going to just outmuscle them. But then I can't see them getting past the Thunder in the next round. Which The Grizzlies need to keep game five close because they've not done great when they've played in the Staples Centre. Mm. That's their problem. They just they need to win on the road. And the Clippers last year, Clippers good amazed everyone. they amazed everyone last year when they won that game seven in Memphis on the road. I mean, obviously they blew a 20-point lead in one of those games. And, you know, they they need... They need to figure it out quickly because if they don't, then they're going to get battered on their own home court instead. <laughs> but I wouldn't be, you know, taking the Clippers over anyone at the moment. I think the West is still way too far open, and I think arguably right now, Andy Spurs are probably the the silent underdog really because they just they just effectively go about their business and nobody notices them as usual. Yeah, I, 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 uh, they're my pick at the moment. Definitely. Another game on Saturday night, we had uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets. Uh, Thunder squeezed out a win in this one, 104 to 101. Obviously, this was the the day of the well, the night after the Russell Westbrook injury was announced, and yeah, it was it was pretty huge. The Thunder had a huge first half uh, first half in this game. In the first quarter alone, they outscored the Rockets 39 points to 19, and uh, Kevin Durant. My man, I said he was going to do this, took over the show, 41 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists. That's what I want to see from KD. Yeah. 
Well, you, you say that. We we were talking a few shows back that we'd like to see him pass the ball more. But that was when they had Westbrook. They had Westbrook. <laughs> I, I think you're right. In he he needs to be of this, a similar sort of mindset as LeBron James. LeBron knows when to take over a game and when to bring his teammates into it. And I think that is what's lacking with Durant. Granted, the physicalities of the two guys as well, you could argue, but... In terms of a basketball IQ, I think that's what Durant needs. He needs that cutting edge, and he says, you know what? I don't have faith in you taking the shot, so I'm going to take it. And mm. it was good that he had done that because I, I would have thought that Houston would have nicked that particular game, but he pulled his team through. That's why he's the face of the franchise and why Matt loves Durant so much. Ah, he is awesome. Let's face it, he's just immense. But I mean, they played again last night, and they 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 lost that one to a pretty impressive Rocket side. I actually thought I thought they they played some stunning basketball. They won that one 105 to 103 in what was an incredibly close game. And yet again, it was Durant who took over the show for the Thunder with 38 points, eight rebounds, and six assists this time. So you know, if he averages 40 for the rest of the playoffs, then someone's in trouble. But the Rockets were, were pretty impressive. There was a few dodgy calls in the last couple of seconds. I believe Reggie Jackson was fouled on his way to the basket. Should have had two free throws to tie the game. Didn't get that. Uh, Kevin Durant missed a free, which was not like KD because he'd hit one a couple of minutes before. And then Serge Barker, oh. poor guy. The guy they picked over James Harden. Missed a layup to win the game. I mean, he, he, that's just unreal. Sorry to tie the game. And he, he was you know physically and emotionally scarred from then on he was just all over, on the floor crying it was just it was a real shame to see because i think that was his moment there that was his moment to silence the critics and and he didn't take it and i know what a frankie's favorite players chandler parsons just took over in this game mm. for the rockets yeah they done well they got scoring from every like from everyone really i mean even like chandler parsons came up with 27 a sheik dropped 17 like harden only had 15 points but that, that's all right. If, they, if you're going to win... He game, had 10 turnovers, though. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't. But if they win the game, I don't think it matters. <laughs> and I thought what they'd done really well in the last possession, they trapped KD nice, and they made him pick up his dribble. And it, they got the ball out of his hands. And if you can do that, you can, you've got a real chance of beating the Thunder. If you get the ball out of KD's hands, especially when there's no Russell Westbrook. Yeah, the problem this Rockets team have, though, I mean, as much as we praise Jeremy, uh, sorry, James Harden, Jamie Lynn not playing very well is, is is costing them massively. I mean, obviously he's had he had chest problems in in the game three on Saturday night, but they have no facilitator for James Harden, and it's really it's really showing them up. The old crew know how to stop him as well. The Thunder knew this guy, you know, they they played together for what four years, three years, something like that. So. They know how to stop this guy, and it's really showing. And apart from that game three where Harden went off on one, he's not been a huge, a huge catalyst in this series. And I think the Thunder going back to Chesapeake Arena on um, Wednesday night, that they'll shut this down. Yeah, this this is being shut down. <laughs> Don't we got anything else to say? <laughs> you've you've summed it up perfectly there. This this game, this this series isn't shut moving up. anywhere. It stops on the next game. Because I can't, I don't think Lynn will be back, and that whole backcourt is a mess at best. Yeah. Would be an interesting reaction, wouldn't 
<laughs> Beverly will get a really interesting reaction because that wasn't a, it wasn't a dirty play, but the Thunder were going at him in in game three. I think Durant dunked on him at one point, and then Ibaka ran into it. Oh, they were really a lovely, massive, strong oh, yeah. pick. That was fantastic. They were really going for him. It was like, you know, this was for you. <laughs> this was for you, Russ. <laughs> but um, moving on to the Heat and the Bucks, they played on Sunday night. This was the second game of the doubleheader on Sky. The most boring game I think I've ever watched in my life. Uh, the Heat won this one, 88 to 77. No contest, really. The Heat just sort of strolled this. Nice, nice sort of gear two, gear three game. And uh, yeah, LeBron James scored a real, real quiet 30 points. He does that though, doesn't he? He kind of, you don't really see him scoring many points. You look up and he's got 20 odd. But yeah, the, <laughs> this wasn't really a competition, this whole series. And Brandon Jennings' We're prediction. Six. Yeah, I was going to say, Brandon Jennings' prediction looks, um, looks a bit stupid. But D Wade didn't even play in this game and they still won. And you know what, this Heat team are probably going to roll through the East. And yeah, we'll see. I mean, this doesn't really tell us anything we didn't know. So uh, there's not really a lot to say. No, obviously Ray Allen cut off the back of that big game three with those hit, breaking that record, Reggie Miller's record for most three points made. He hit four from seven in this one as well and showed again why he was the best off-season acquisition for any side in the NBA. Uh, that's a bold prediction, a bold statement. Bold statement, but, but he's showing it. He's got to be one of the. He's got to be in the running for a sixth man of the. Well, he would have been in for the running for a sixth man of the year, should I say? He has been unreal. He's won them games this season, and but not just the, him, but their their entire bench. You know, I, I think that's going to be the difference as we go deeper into these playoffs. That we know they've got a phenomenal starting five, and it's going to be whether or not their bench can keep the momentum going because LeBron Bird and Bosch and Wade can't play. Every minute of every game. No, you've got players like Birdman and Norris Cole has been brilliant. I mean, Norris Cole, he's really impressed me these last few weeks. And Anderson's got, been their missing key, I think. Yeah. He, he hits. How did no one pick this guy up? I mean, I know he was done for, what was it, DUI or something a few years back, and the Nuggets... Bless him as well. Yeah, the Nugget, Nuggets waved him, but no one's picked him up. He's just brought such a physical presence to this heat team that they were really lacking and they actually rebound the ball quite well now yeah I mean you've got players that come off the bench and just hit freeze. I mean Rashad Lewis Mike Miller Ray Allen Norris Cole even James Jones can come off and hit a free they, they, mm. they've just got strength in depth the rich got richer this off season and I can't see past them for the for the uh, NBA championship it is a good job they're going to get the Knicks in the next round because if they got the Celtics I'd feel really sorry for the Celtics Get the balls, don't they? I'm oh, sorry, they get the balls. I still think the balls are going to still struggle to stop this Heat team. Yeah. This Heat team have now got what four days off, five days off. Sorry, so that, that's a, that's a nice few days to have rest and to get everyone back up to fighting strength for what will be probably a, a quite tough and physical series. And if Rose comes back, that Bulls side are going to be a different animal altogether. But no one knows what Derek Rose is going to be like. He'd be daft to come back against the Heat. I think that would probably be the worst thing he could do. Granted, it would be great for Chicago if he came back, but you wouldn't want to come back of you having missed a whole season trying to play against the the steamrolling juggernaut (laughs) that is the Miami Heat. So he's not coming back this season. He may turn up and sit on a bench and sign some autographs, but he won't play. He would be foolish to come back against the Heat. I think you made a point, Matt. D-Wade 
needs to stay fit. And this is the biggest thing. They've got days off now. And D-Wade remaining fit throughout the whole playoffs is what will define it for me. I mean, LeBron James is going to get you 30. He's going to get you 10 assists. He could drop a triple-double any night. But D-Wade's that almost... He's become that almost X-factor, which we never thought he would. But he, he, he's he been so efficient this year, and it's been one of his best years like from a, a field goal percentage-wise. And if he can continue that, there's, there's no stopping this Heat team. There, there's so many ways they can hurt you. And, yeah, there's just no way to stop them. Fair enough. That is it. The Miami Heat have, have destroyed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, moving on, because we've actually covered all the games from, from the past four, four nights of action. We got a, uh, a message on Twitter earlier on from James Lee, who left us a lovely iTunes review. Another five-star review, guys. Um, he said, podcast question. Got a letter from Sky today saying that ESPN UK is done as of July. What happens to the NBA in the UK after that? Um, Andy, what do, what do you reckon? Do you reckon BT will pick up the rights for the for the league or it'll stay with Sky? It will stay with Sky, but you might get some sort of InVision thing coming from BT because it seems to be the the new fad for pay-per-view games. So I wouldn't be surprised if something's happening there. But NBA in the UK, it's staying, baby. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Frankie, have you got any thoughts on the... Uh... Mm. The passing away of ESPN UK as it is. Disappointed actually because I like they give you the uh, US coverage, which is better than the better than the Sky yeah. coverage. <laughs> I, I, I think Sky will probably pick up a few more games. To be honest, yeah, I think I think it's a shame. Sky, I hope Sky pick up a few more games because they're the ones that are really sort of trying to grow the league and they have they have a huge amount of followers on their Twitter account, the NBA on Sky people. So they, they definitely make the most of it, but. If they keep putting county cricket on over <laughs> the games, it's, it's really going to start peeing people off, and that's not just that's not just me saying that. But um, just a quick thing with regards to the teams who were sweeped, um, Milwaukee. What do you think the future is for those, those guys? Obviously, Brandon Jennings and Monterellis coming up to a really standpoint, you know, off season for, for those two guys. The future is one man, <laughs> Larry Sanders. No, but they they need to. Uh decide if they're going to keep one or the other because I can't see them keeping both Jennings and Ellis they're too similar and they need to they need to choose which direction they're going to go they've got the coach Jim Boylan's future isn't isn't guaranteed even their team's not guaranteed because Seattle if they do lose the uh, Sacramento thing they've said they Milwaukee they've are the next yeah the Milwaukee are the next targets and you know this team <laughs> it's not really in a good place at the moment I mean they could lose two borderline all-star players and where well, would they Jennings be then? said he wants to go doesn't he so yeah I think he's going I think my disappointment um out of all of those we, we've mentioned Ellis and Jennings being the, the sort of verging on all-star players but I've been disappointed with Reddick since he went there yeah I, yeah, I really is. rated him at Orlando but that's probably because he was a bench player and had limited minutes and he was more of an impact player Whereas now he's getting more looks, he's getting more time on the court, and he's not producing a good. So he's been a bit of a disappointment for me for the Bucks. Definitely, I agree with that. He, he almost you wonder if it just takes a little bit of time to get adjusted to a new seat, like a new scene and a new system. Maybe he'll come back and do a lot better. But JJ Redick is a free agent this season as well, I think actually. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Mm, there's a lot. There's a lot to think of for that franchise, and. Um, just quickly, your your two thoughts on the Lakers, because tomorrow we're actually doing a, a, a Lakers special in what is going to be the first of a new series we're going to start doing called The State of the Franchise, where we basically take a look at one team for, for an hour or so, 
and we try and get guests on and fans of the franchises on to, to discuss. So we're going to start with the Lakers because they've had a pretty tumultuous year, but just, just your guys' thoughts on the Lakers quickly. The plan backfired, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to sum it up nicely, you know, I, I had high praises, Matt, you and I mentioned in the, the kind of season preview show. I thought that having Howard, MWP, Gasol, Nash and Bryant would just be a phenomenal starting five. The fact of the matter is those five players barely played together all season for one reason or another. And Six times, I think it was. They were only on the court at the same wow. time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Granted, you, Kobe's had a terrible season of injuries. Nash, is, is for the last couple of years, as much as I think he's a phenomenal player, he's been very hit and miss with injuries. Gasol and Pierre, um, MWP, they've, they've not done it for you. And Howard, I think Howard's been a little bit out of his depth and been overwhelmed living in L.A., so... Next season may be different. Whether or not it will be that same starting five, I'm not sure. But it's definitely a plan that backfired, and you need to start rebuilding and rebuilding quick. Yeah, they, they, it's a big rebuild job, and I think they should almost strip it and start again. I mean, they could, I think, trade Pau Gasol. He's still a he's still a asset which some team will pick up. They could amnesty, I think, Metal World Peace and not Kobe Bryant. They'd save a lot of salary there. Steve Nash, I think you've got to keep him around. And then you can start to bring in a few free agents, maybe pick up a few nice pieces from the, the draft and then get some picks. And it's just, I think they're going to be bad again. I, I, can't, I actually can see Howard leaving now. I mean, that uh, game four against the Spurs where he uh, got ejected, that just, that just smelled of a, a player that wanted to leave. And if he did leave, where would it leave this Lakers franchise? They, they almost pinned their whole hopes on him. I think we've got an article going up later about Dwight Howard and whether he, whether he will stay, but it's just, this Lakers team is a mess and it's going to take some real sorting out and I'm I'm just glad for, for your sake, Matt, and for, for every Lakers fan's sake that Jeannie Buss looks like she'll be taking over. That's only a good sign. Yeah, well, we're going to be debating that more in depth tomorrow and what will be the first of hopefully a, a bunch of podcast maybe we'll tackle the milwaukee bucks or someone like that in the following one be interested to see if we can find some bucks fans for a start <laughs> i think there is any <laughs> well I, I certainly don't know any of, know of any but um yeah keep using the twitter hashtag guys nba in the uk had a fantastic night on sunday i was off work so it tended to help but there was a lot of people using the hashtag people i'd not seen on using it before so that's a good thing our downloads have gone through the roof recently and even our, our site views are going up so we need to sort of Get a, get a move on with that website, don't we, Frankie? Yeah, we do. I think I was. I'm going to email Conrad, and he's he's got a lot of expertise in the field, so that should help. He's our web man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let us know if you've got any questions for us for for the next podcast, or maybe even you've got an idea for one of the state of the franchise shows. But yeah, keep listening to to us and check out all of the uh, the articles that go. We've got a bunch of great guys writing for us now. Obviously, Andy's away quite a lot, so we've managed to. Uh, to add on a couple of more amigos just to boost the uh, the writing capacity of the site but obviously Tom's on there Frankie he writes stuff on there but obviously he's contracted to Hoops Habit as well so he's, he's writing stuff over there Conrad and Joe Bradley uh, Elujaba Luke and Tom everyone just thanks for getting involved with it guys because we're finally getting somewhere with this and I think this is what, what me and Andy probably envisioned when we first started back in July last year couldn't have said it better myself but yeah, leave, leave iTunes reviews. Check out the Twitter at Double Clutch Three. You can find me at Matt Smash. You can find Andy over at Big Andy D. 
you can find Frankie at Guna Frank. And yeah, just keep watching the NBA in the UK. Peace out. Peace. See ya. Kevin, can't you just take us through that last uh, 12 seconds, just that final sequence of the game, which you saw and how it played out? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you should try to get a shot. I mean, just we, uh, you know, they they did a good job of like closing the paint up on us, and you know, so Reggie had a, a lane, you know, missed a tough shot, and Serge had an opportunity to just tip it in, but unfortunately, it didn't go our way. So we got to move on to Game Five. Like he took that pretty hard. How will you uh, get his mind off that? It was over. I mean, they essentially they did what they were supposed to do. Which is went at home, and we we came in here and got and snuck one in. Um, so we go back home. That's what we've been fighting all year for home court advantage. So, um, you know, we we just gotta be ready for game five. I mean, I told him, man, we can't you can't take that hard. It's over with. You can't get it back. You can't bring it back. So, let it go. And um, it was an unfortunate play, but let it go. Well, that's the that's what makes them so tough. You know, they can shoot threes and they can drive. So we got to figure out a way to keep keep them in front and also get to the three point line. They knocked down some some timely threes today, and um, you know, so we got to make sure we uh, we correct that. My last play kind of looked like you're maybe trying to force a three. Were you trying to think about winning on one shot? I was. I wasn't trying to win it, but you know, he played good defense to make sure I didn't get a shot off. So I threw it to Reggie. I was going back to get it, but he kind of fumbled and it was time was running down. So he got to the rim. He got to the run, put pressure on the defense. He missed. He just missed a shot. So you're not mad. You don't. I mean, this is like some huge lost opportunity. Just sweep them and move on. No, I mean, what's the what's the what's the panic for? I mean, no need to panic. I mean, that that's only going to put more pressure on us. That's only going to make us feel even worse. So, I mean, let's always stay positive. That's what I'm about. And uh, that's all I'm gonna you know tell the guys: is keep stay positive, man. Keep pushing. Um, we got a game at home. We're gonna try to close it out. Well, he was good. He was aggressive. You know, he, he took 18, 18 shots. That's what we need him to do. Um, he was putting the pressure on the defense on driving. And, you know, that, that one three that went in and out, that would have put us at one. That would have been a big shot. And he had to, he had the guts to take it. And, um, you know, it went out on him. So he was aggressive all night, and that's what we want from him. Seem like they're loading up on you a lot early, but once uh, in the second quarter period there, I had a three guard lineup. How did you like the results of that? It seemed like it y'all space floor a little more and give you guys more success. Yeah, I mean they they do such you know some some crazy things on defense. You know they run two guys at you. They just they don't care about the other guys on the floor sometimes and. You know, but I trust my teammates, and you know I know they're gonna come through. You know, and fish hit some big shots. Okay, Mar Reggie. So if they're gonna keep doing that, we got to keep passing the ball and trusting each other. And I think, um, you know, hopefully we start to make some shots. Um, but you know, I felt good. I was able to make some shots tonight, get to the free throw line. And, you know, um, you know, I felt that I can get to the lane. So I was just trying to make plays. Are you feeling okay after crashing into the team? I'm great. You guys always talk about last one. You guys always talk to pride yourself on defense, call yourself a defensive team. What happened in third quarter? <coughs> well, they they outscored us, you know, and they were getting to the free throw line. It was kind of tough to guard them there uh, for a little period, but they they made threes. They made some you know some tough shots, and we turned the ball over too. So, you know, we'll, we'll be alright, man. It means we're up three one um, with a good opportunity to try to close it out at home. So, you couldn't ask for a better situation. Um, so, hopefully, we, you know, we get the job done.